look, if you're going to seek leadership advice or business advice or entrepreneurial advice, you probably want to talk to somebody who's actually started a company or two, yeah. had tremendous success rather than I read some books on it. Let's face it, we all know the importance of a good balanced nutrition diet, but the truth is it can get really challenging to get all the nutrients you need every single day when you're running a very busy lifestyle or even running your own business. And if you're anything like me, you probably don't want to resort to a multivitamin pill that is filled with chemicals, binders and artificial ingredients. This is why I'm so glad that I found Viva Life's Thrive. It's a revolutionary health supplement that has all the power of a multivitamin, but that is made with 100% plant-based in natural ingredients that you can actually pronounce and actually recognize. Things like kale, turmeric, baobab, or even spinach. It's been backed by over 50 independent studies and was actually formulated by a nutritionist. That's why each scoop holds the antioxidant equivalent of 10 servings of fruit and vegetables, along with 15 essential minerals and vitamins, including B12, vitamin D, and zinc. The truth is you just never know what your day is gonna be like. That's why I just make it really easy and simple for myself. I add a scoop in either some water, my shakes, or my tea. It's delicious, it's nutritious, and it gets me focused for the rest of the day, and my energy levels have never been better. And here's the best part in it all. Viva Life are so confident in the quality of the product that they've took over five years to design that if you're not satisfied after 30 days, they'll give you a full refund, no questions asked, and you can even keep the product. If you want to try Thrive for yourself, you can go over to www.vivolife.co.uk and use the promo code MARK to get 10% off your first order. Podcasting is one of the most effective ways to grow your business, build an audience, and give your brand a voice. But the idea of launching can frankly feel a little daunting. What kind of gear or software should you use? What if you don't like the sound of your own voice? How to get great guests to come on the show? And how do you get people to actually listen once you've published your podcast? Well, you could go and find out on your own through trial and error, and that might take you forever. Or you could save yourself a ton of time and a ton of money by grabbing a spot on my brand new online video course, how to go from naught to launch that you can take from the comfort of your own home. That's right, I've made the process of launching a successful podcast from scratch super easy. So if you're ready and you wanna stop wasting time, head over to theunconventionalist.com, click on online courses and grab yourself a seat and use the discount code PODCASTTRIBE to get 20% off the entire program. I can't wait to see you in there, but more importantly, I can't wait to listen to your podcast. Hi, and welcome back to the Unconventionalist Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Roos, and this is the show about what it's really like to turn your message into a movement. And I'm really excited about today's guest because it's that period of the year when we start panicking about our goals, about what we want to achieve, how we're going to achieve it, what's the, the roadmap to get there, and can we get any help and support to reach those goals? And of course, talking about Dan Falk, the founder of 100 Life Design, a platform that's going to enable you to connect with a coach. And if you're a coach, to connect with a client. It's a beautiful platform. We're going to talk about that and so much more. Get ready to reach your goals in 2020, maybe the first time in a very long time. Without further ado, 
Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. <laughs> it's good to see you, man. Like you're a big dude. Like you're much bigger than I imagined. You like you're tall. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Do you work out, Dan? Uh, here and there, you know. <laughs> so, how was your trip in London? Uh, so far, so good, man. It's uh, I think this is like my fourth time here, and yeah. it's always fun coming back. I love it. Yeah. So, Where are you staying? Uh, a very good friend of mine who yeah. actually I've known since the eighth grade. Okay. Uh, he moved here a couple of years ago. Lives here. Uh, the name of the the neighborhood. One of the girls out front yeah. actually asked me as well. Yeah. I I can't remember. Yeah, I that, don't know. Fair enough, man. <laughs> but, Is he the guy that you put me in touch that you wanted us to connect? Or is this another guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a topic for today's yeah, discussion, cool. but he's yeah, the guy you should meet. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That's really cool. And and we were talking offline that you lived in in Germany for a few years. Yep. Yeah. So like, what was that like? Uh, culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then some. Uh, what I guess I would call reverse culture shock. Okay. Back to the states. Cool. Because <laughs> where are you from originally? Uh, originally Vancouver, Canada. But um, I have uh, my mother's American. Okay. Uh, so I grew up in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, in my early twenties, moved to the states, finished up school there, and then moved to Germany. Yeah. Lived there for about three years. Okay. Why and, did you move there? Um. Well, that has uh, part of the story. I'll give you the executive yeah, yeah. summary, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um. My background is in counseling psychology. Yeah. And um. After, you know, going, getting a master's, I was working in private practice. I had done some university level research, all this kind of stuff. And um, very fascinated by the human mind, motivation in particular. Um, and so I was working with clinical populations and very, very fascinating work. But I think I may have been in it for the wrong reasons. Um, I was very much interested in pathology, but... Um, I guess that's kind of where it ended. And I, I've always had this business side to myself. And I, I came to the realization that I'm just never going to make what I want to make doing okay. private practice. Got it. Um, and you, and you, was this, sorry to interrupt, is this, is this when you, the kind of the patients or the people that you were seeing, I don't know what the technical term is, clients, patients, mm -hmm. were these people suffering from, you know, from addiction to depression to, or was it anything far and through between? Uh, I was working actually predominantly with, um, younger males between the ages like 15 up to about 30 who okay. were lied somewhere on the autism spectrum okay. and were kind of dealing with social issues or independent living, kind of finding jobs, um, a lot of like soft social skill based okay. stuff. Um, so anyways, I realized that wasn't paying me what I wanted. I decided that I would maybe recycle my resume a little bit. I became a car salesman. <laughs> And, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> From psychology to car sales, uh, and there was actually some pretty good uh, parallels. Yeah, I'm sure there. Are. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was in Portland, Oregon at the time, and I was selling Ford pickup trucks and yeah. uh, actually doing not a bad job at it. Yeah, really, really loved it. Obviously, realized though that um, you know money's good now at the age of 24, but to think big picture, not mm -hmm. not really where I want to be. So I. Um, how do I say this? Creatively wrote a resume and <laughs> <laughs> spin doctored a CV. Yeah, landed a job with Mercedes Benz headquarters in Stuttgart, and they were looking uh. for somebody who had you know background in psychology. I had retail experience selling okay. selling product, um, and that's kind of how I got into it. So yeah. I was uh, doing organizational development work, working with uh, dysfunctional sales teams and dealership networks. So car dealership isn't performing in a particular yeah. region. Um, basically having like a group intervention, if you will, with salespeople. Yeah. And what did you learn about, and, and, and this kind of a leaded question, right? Leading question. What did you find about the importance of having difficult conversations amongst teammates when it comes down to high-performing teams? Um, difficult conversations. I think 
in teams, high-performing teams are a little bit different. I haven't had a whole lot of experience working okay. exclusively with that mm -hmm. because I've always been brought in once there was like something not okay. working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can, so one of the biggest things that I have always seen is in teams that aren't the highest performing, mm -hmm. there's always a couple people who, you know, are just, they're kind of like riding the wave. They're not really contributing mm. to... Uh, the project or whatever, yeah. And uh, it... There was people who they were just like, look, man, I've got this nine to five job. It pays well. I can't really get fired. I've got good benefits. The hell do I care if mm. we, we do mm. better or we sell more cars? I really yes. don't give a damn. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't affect me. Yeah. And that's, that is a difficult uh, conversation to have, particularly like yeah. in a group setting. That's something that I have found, you know, kind of needs to be handled in an isolated okay. thing first, because usually there's something going on there. Mm. I mean, it's not that these people are so disenfranchised that they're like, screw you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is always a root cause, and it's not that this person is fundamentally bad or a shit performer or mm. something. Mm -hmm. It's you something's just, going on. Yeah, so that is maybe <clears throat> excuse me. That's all right. The uh, part of the premise for what inspired me to start Hunter Life Design, mm. um, and we're gonna get into coaching, I guess, in yeah. a little bit. And I realized a lot of the work that I was doing there really boiled down to like one-on-one -on -one coaching. Okay, and I was trying to think of ways to make this this whole experience and tapping into the power of coaching somehow more accessible to people, more affordable, and, and make it less taboo. Right. Because at that, in, in my position at Mercedes, it was, you know, you've you need a you coach. fucked up yeah. and now you got to talk to somebody. And yeah. so <laughs> it was always like yeah. being labeled, you've got a problem or yeah. something like this. But that couldn't be further from the truth, man. Because, right. I mean, the whole premise of coaching is it takes good people and it makes them great. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to focus on that and I wanted to create something that gave that, that vibe or that 100%, message. 100%. Yeah. But I, just, I, I want to touch upon, you, you talked about a culture clash or a culture shock i mean you you know grew up in canada then we're in portland and then you fly out to germany you live mm -hmm. in stuttgart and you know the germans aren't known for being the, the at least from the external perspective the friendliest warmest bubbliest latin kind of countries of sure you know um i remember when my my daughter uh went over to germany i was meeting people and some people were like shaking a hand she was like a year and a half <laughs> old you know <laughs> um but but how was that for you to go from you know i guess a northern american experience growing up you know mm -hmm. 24 25 and then suddenly you're flown into this whole new culture. What was that like for you? Uh, so for me personally, it wasn't too bad. I am aware of the, let's call it the stereotypes that mm. particularly American people have mm. in Europe where we're just like, everything is wonderful. And <laughs> oh my God, how are you doing? And we're fucking best friends already. Yeah. Um, that has never been me and I've never really uh, resonated with that. Yeah. And so, you know, just the, the stereotypical like stoic German, mm. you know, coldness, mm. I was actually totally fine with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. What I found more frustrating on the cultural side was perhaps like, uh, and I'm no expert on this, this is purely my experience, mm. but most individuals that I was dealing with, particularly in like a, a corporate setting, mm. very, very risk adverse. And mm. um, there's this saying in, in German that's uh, Schaumal, and it means like, let's just take a, a step back and just wait a minute. Let, let's see what happens. Okay. Um, very uncommon to you know pitch an idea to someone and they're just like yeah let's roll with it let's let's give that a shot you know mm -hmm. they want to assess and measure and they're very precise people okay. i found that personally very frustrating mm. but it's probably also why they are you know leaders in engineering yeah on the flip side when it comes to high performing teams yeah. the soft stuff um personal things like if you're applying that mentality to other aspects of life like if you're building an airplane I want you to have that mentality. <laughs> That's so true. You better make sure that plane keeps flying, right? <laughs> but if we're talking about, hey, let's approach 
you know, let's 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 talk about networking or approaching somebody who you want to, um, you know, sell something to yeah. or job interviewing. Um, that requires you can't be so hesitant. You have yeah. to be more flexible and on okay. demand. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. And and one of the things I'm really curious about is um, from your experience working in, I guess, psychology counseling, and then suddenly being in this environment where you're discovering coaching. I mean, kind of like applying coaching. How do they differ? Because that's a question I get all the time. What's the difference between counseling, therapy, and coaching? Um, the way I would describe it is therapy, counseling, um, psychotherapy, whatever, talking to a psychologist. It's really looking at um, things that have happened in the past mm-hmm. and getting closure or clarity on past events that are still affecting us in some way today. Mm-hmm. and. We commonly think of like the, the Freudian experience where you go and you sit down on the couch mm. and you can't see anyone. You talk about your dreams mm-hmm. and what does that mean and yeah. talk about your feelings. And I certainly am not discounting that. There is absolutely a time and a place for that. But it is uh, not for everyone. And I saw this a lot when I was doing counseling and working in a clinic. Um, a large number of the clients that I would see and work with didn't actually need therapy at all. They just didn't know where else to turn to. And I think that's kind of a reflection of perhaps this larger public misconception mm. around the difference. Yeah. Um, but uh, also just maybe what's available for people in terms of, of resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so in addition to like this, you know, therapy wants to deal with pathology in some way. So like anxiety disorders, depression, schizophrenia, heavy kind of mental yeah. issues. Um, coaching is really... Uh, as I, I think I had mentioned already, it takes good, or I'm using yeah. air quotes here, yeah, yeah. normal people yeah. and who, who are not satisfied with something, who are yeah. like, they wake up one day and they're like, damn, this is it. This is really all that life had to mm-hmm. offer. Or I went to school and I did everything my parents did and still not making the money I want, or I still don't have the partner I want. Or yeah. So it's, it's really focusing on like present issues and it's, these are proactive future-oriented conversations okay so being very strategic about this is where you are now this is your disposition here's your mm-hmm. goals your objectives and here's where you want to be in six months one mm-hmm. year five year um some people kind of cringe or roll their eyes at the oh god goal setting and we got to do these milestones milestones <laughs> yeah. like that's stupid i don't need that yeah you know um yeah well as, as you say that there's a study that came out I just read in this book um they basically did a, a peer-reviewed study around the difference between people who wrote their goals and people who didn't write their goals, mm-hmm. and there was a 42% higher chance of achieving your goals for this group study that was writing down their goals. Yeah. 42%. That's pretty, that's pretty big. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. I think that taps into a theme of yeah. uh, that is basically personal accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got it on the mirror uh, or wherever, something yeah. that you're looking at constantly, and you see that and you're being reminded of it. Um, something that, you know, one of the biggest uh, things or let's call it barriers to entry that we see in like clients or people who are potentially interested in working with a coach is something that I call passive coaching. Mm -hmm. So right now you could go onto YouTube, you could Google like Tony Robbins or watch a Oprah show. How to reach your goals, how to be happy, whatever. And you'll sit there and you'll be like, okay, you know, here's steps X, Y, and Z and I got it. And great. Uh, I don't need to talk to anybody now. I figured it out. But then chances are you probably go back to your normal life and time goes by. And Mm -hmm. like, that was an inspiring book that you just read but it didn't really change anything. And if you ask me, I believe it's because it, it, it operates on the same basic principles that like a horoscope does, where you, it, it's written in very generic language. It sounds very inspiring and motivating when you're in it, and you can plug yourself into these scenarios that mm. it's suggesting. So you can envision yourself and you can say, yeah, you're right. All That's I have right. to do That's is me. wake up at 5 a.m. and it's good, <laughs> right? 
but it doesn't understand you. The book, the self-help book that yeah. you read doesn't know who you are, Mark, what your deal mm. is, what drives you, what your insecurities are. And it can't check in with you. It can't hold you accountable. It can't do anything other than you can read it and you can plug yourself into it as much as you Got want. Got it. Got it. And so how did you go from the idea of, you know, working in Mercedes in Stuttgart for three years, then going, I'm going to start a company where we're going to make coaching accessible to as many people as possible through this platform? Um, I think I have learned that I, let's put it positively, I am an <laughs> entrepreneur at heart. I think you know what the flip side of that also means. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I, it was always that I just, I don't know, I had these ideas and I felt like I wasn't making enough progress or that, you know, other people had other agendas in this big corporate machine that I was a part of and it just yeah. didn't sit well with me. Um, Did you have a coach there, by the way? Did they give you a coach? They, yeah, kind of, kind of, but it wasn't somebody who I was going to be regularly expressing all of my, okay. my concerns to yeah. because they're also my colleague and it okay. was just, I felt taboo. Yeah, that's the thing I want to touch upon afterwards, definitely. Sure. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I've, I've always had this entrepreneurial drive. I've done other business ventures before, and this was just seemed like a natural progression to me. Um, the accessibility and affordability thing came from Daimler would spend a lot of money, you know, sending me to different countries, putting me up in hotels, getting me someplace so I could put in an hour or two of FaceTime with a team or a colleague or something. And it was a tremendous amount of energy and money Resources. and time and all this stuff. And, you know, if you look at like telemedicine or psychotherapy now, a lot of studies are showing that it is just as effective doing it via video chat as mm. it is an in-person session. And so I see no reason why I can't extrapolate those findings into something less intense mm. uh, like coaching. Um, I think that is tremendously beneficial for businesses who are you know, spending the time and resources for employee improvement, mm -hmm. but also uh, individuals who, let's say you wanna work with a coach, but you don't have time to go across town and rush hour traffic and all that BS. Uh, but if you could connect with somebody just via video chat on demand, like mm -hmm. you're much more likely to engage with it on a regular basis. Um, so that's kind of the yeah. accessibility part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. And so, so you set up with this idea. Was the original idea always that, or did you start off with this idea like, oh, how can I, get one coach to find one client easier or how can I find a client to find a coach and then it kind of evolved and developed into this, uh, this tech no it kind of came it came to me on like I was flying on a flight back from Dubai and I went there for a very short period of time and the meeting was not particularly productive mm. and we didn't do anything that could not have been done Got in it. person or over video rather yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, that was just kind of like the the catalyst I yeah. guess um, it originally was more of a, let's get psychologies, like psych psychologists rather on, uh, on video. But, um, the deeper I went into that, I'm like, you know what, there's too many liabilities there that I don't want to deal with. <laughs> and, um, also I really enjoy personally working with people who are inherently self-motivated. Yeah. I, I've done the psychology thing before, and that was a lot of people are not in a great spot in life and you're just trying to give them a sense of normalcy. Again. Yeah. I wanted to work with people who were like man, I'm fired up and I'm ready to do whatever it takes to go to the next level. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, I heard a coach once describe it. It was like the difference between you know, therapy, counseling, coaching is you take someone who feels dysfunctional to feeling functional. Coaching is taking someone from functional to exceptional. Mm -hmm. That was kind of his description. And so, so what have you learned in the process? Because there's a couple of things I then want to dive into, like the, the power of coaching, goals. But what, did you, what have you learned in, in setting up your own company, trying to grow it into what it is today? Because mm -hmm. again, you know, a lot of people listening to this want to start a business or want to become an entrepreneur and often have 
certain set of what they expect it to be versus what the reality is. So what, what have you learned in the process? Um, I will tell you things that are probably not going to come as a surprise to you. I will make reference to the TEDx Cardiff talk that yeah. you had made where yeah. you, um, you kind of started off in, in a lighthearted <laughs> sense, but you painted the grim reality of, yeah. of starting a business. Uh, and that's totally true. You yeah. are working a lot of hours and you're by yourself and the rest of the world doesn't always understand what it is the hell you're doing. Yeah. And you got, there's a lot of uh, uphill battles. Um, so I, I won't reiterate that. Uh, just, mm. you know, watch, yeah. watch Mark's movie. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, the one other thing that I will say that I've learned and um, something that gets, uh, I think, really brushed, goes under the radar because mm. it's not sexy at all. We think of entrepreneurs as like, oh, it's a lifestyle and it's cool and mm -hmm. I can wake up late and work my pajamas. But... Um, you know, it's a grind. The one thing that the most unsexy part of it is right at the very beginning is just having a solid legal foundation. So mm. found your business properly, get the paperwork in order, get your terms and conditions in order, have a shareholders agreement set up. Um, when I very first started this, I had a business partner okay. and I am infinitely grateful that I had done this or I would have just been SOL at this point. Wow. Um, that's not the story I want to get into, yeah, sure. but like. But yeah, and there, yet it taught you that important lesson. Yeah. Because actually having the foundation can protect you when you most need it. And because shit is inevitably going to go wrong or you're going to have a customer who doesn't, who's disgruntled or who sues you or something goes bad. And if you don't have it, that is your, that's like game over for you. Yeah. And it costs money up front to do it. Yeah. And people, you know, you might feel like, damn, a lot of my working capital is going into this legal, legal thing, yeah. legal setup. But I cannot tell you how essential that has been for me personally. And that is probably a very big piece of advice I would give to anyone. So other. interesting. Yeah, because it's so easy to just bypass the idea of, like, I'm just going to take a copy and paste document, I find template on internet oh, and just use yeah. that. And <laughs> I just like people who can't be listening to this on audio, just down shaking his head, kind of going like <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah, cool. And so... Um, and so did you find that when you were pitching or explaining this idea, people were getting it? And if not, how did you manage to reiterate your, your explanation so that people go, oh, now I get it? Uh, yeah, totally. So at the beginning, I think people were just, who's this crazy guy? What's he talking about? Um, and I realized I had gone way too deep down the rabbit hole because this was during the time when I'm spending like 12 hours a day plus at my desk. I've had periods where I haven't gone outside for two yeah. or three days and you get just tunnel vision yeah. on what it is you're doing and you try to explain to someone else. And they don't get it. And because I was going into so much detail that nobody else cared about or they just didn't <laughs> so have the, <laughs> they yeah. just didn't have the patience for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I guess my, my tidbit or my learning or whatever is boil it down to like three sentences mm. and just like the 30,000 foot level explanation okay. is enough to hook someone or not and make it really simple. And I guess more less about like what the thing does, but what's the end goal for the customer? Mm. You know, what are they going to get out of mm. it? So I wouldn't say, well, I run an online video based coaching connection platform. Like <laughs> the hell is that? <laughs> so what'd you say? Um, well, I'm kind of get putting the car before yeah. the horse here because I'm thinking like that is what I should do. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I would say that I, I connect aspirational people mm. with expert coaches who are ready to take their life to the next level. Mm. And if you are like dissatisfied with something in your life, Mark, well, it's time to do something about it. And mm -hmm. here's how we can help you. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Cool. I like it. Yeah. yeah. That, that makes more sense. You know, it's so interesting. I've spoken to so many people who say that they go so into the details, but this is how we do it. This is why we're different because we like people don't care about the how. No. But like, you know, it's like, again, go back to the why and but take me to the end goal. 
paint this beautiful uh, success story at the end and then then, then I'm in. Mm-hmm. Cool. So um, why should anyone hire a life coach? And I know this is kind of a teasing question, right? Because we're both in that industry. But yeah. And by the way, because yeah, people haven't heard this, uh, we first met over on your podcast. We did, yeah. Walk the talk and we talked about millennials and I loved it because you had really challenging questions about millennials. <laughs> we had a great conversation. So let me throw back at the ball in your corner. Why does anybody even need a life coach? Uh, well, I don't think anybody does, mm. um, but I think anyone can benefit from it if they're, mm. if they're open-minded and, mm. and ready to accept it. Um, perhaps the biggest reason is they are providing you a completely unbiased perspective on mm. your life. Yeah. So a lot of people will say, I don't need a coach because I've got a great group of friends or my yeah. parents are very... In- I'm good at what I do. Yeah. Love is a very strong bias. Mm. And think about like your childhood or growing mm. up. Like I'm sure your parents had certain expectations or hopes that you would, you know, grow up to be, I don't know, doctor, lawyer, do whatever, <laughs> like the, go to school and get the good job. Yeah, they, were just, they were just glad I got through the school system. Dude. <laughs> I think my brother was the one, the academic. They were like, Mark, if we can get him through the school system, we'll, we'll consider that a success. <laughs> Fair enough. But this is a narrative that a yeah, lot of yeah, us are, are told. And um, so we can go to the people who, who we love and who we trust, and we can confide in them. Um, and absolutely, that is a good and healthy thing to do, fully support it. But love is a bias. And they might tell you, parents especially, have the tendency to tell you things from the perspective of what they think is best for you. But what they think is best for you may not necessarily be the best thing. Mm. Um, a coach, on the other hand, likewise with your friends, and there's all this social pressure and expectations. And 100%. All sort of Life, society, yeah. relationships, parents, work are all going to put on top of what they think you should become mm-hmm. or who, what you should be doing. A coach has no, you know, there is no bias there other no than they have a vested interest in your success and happiness. However, it is you define that, and they're just got your back. They're your sidekick. Mm. They're not you know, making the passive aggressive suggestions one way or the other or saying, well, I think you should talk to that lady, yeah. Mark, because that would be good for you, right? Like, yeah. Are um, you sure you want to become an astronaut? I mean, you're not that great with numbers. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe you should go like a little bit, a little bit, yeah. And even if the astronaut idea is truly a bad one, they're going to work with you in a way that you will discover that on your own rather 100%. than kind of guilt tripping you into coming 100%. to that realization. But this isn't, coaching is not about them talking you out of grandiose ideas. Yeah, it's yeah. actually quite the opposite. It's yeah. them helping you find a way to realize that grandiose idea. Right. And, and, and I often say when people say, oh, but what if someone comes to me and says they want to become the president of America? It's like, cool, explore what that means to them. Because mm-hmm. what you'll find out is that it's not necessarily they want to become president of America, but what they want is to be able to have a la- lasting legacy, an impact, feel maybe some, some form of attention, whatever it is. Exactly. Just get curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And so the, with, Beyond this like bias aspect that yeah. I'm talking about, you've, you've just touched on the second point here, and that is being able to articulate the, the, these feelings or these mm. thoughts that we've got. I mean, bringing it to the forefront of our consciousness helps make it more real. Um, but even before that is possible, it's sometimes very hard to find the right words to describe mm. why you want to be president, why you want to be a superstar or an astronaut or whatever. Mm. It's... We, we sometimes struggle to find the right way to explain yeah. what are the, the, the underlying themes of that position. Yeah, it helps make sense mm-hmm. of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and then, and, then, and then so especially this time of the year, right, that this episode's coming out, um, people obsess with goals, yes. like New Year's resolutions, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Let's, t- let's talk about that for a second, because I know I heard your episode, I think it was in August, where you talked about the importance of uh, expectations around goals and what happens once you've reached them. You know, mm-hmm. like you're not going to be forever happy once you've 
got that six pack or run that marathon yeah, or got yeah. that promotion, right? Yeah. Um, what are some of the foundations that you'd recommend people listening to this about? If you're going to get a goal for 2020 or goals, like what are some of the tips that you want to share? Um, I would probably start by like creating a series of smaller miniature goals that compound and build on top of each other. Mm-hmm. If you just say, I want to have a six pack abs by, you know, beach season, <laughs> that's just so like, what? okay, so what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, so to, like, okay, let's say you want to get a beach body, right? Okay. I would probably start by saying I'm first going to educate myself and get some real input around nutrition and exercise science because it's not like if I just say, well, I'm going to skip breakfast and eat less and only go to the pub twice a week. It's not, <laughs> it's not going to do anything. So um, it would be first very much just an educational yeah. process. And then from there laying out different steps. So okay, within the first week or month, I will actually, maybe I should buy a pair of running shoes and mm. join a gym, step one. Yeah, yeah. Step two, work on, you know, achieve incremental goals. Um, one of the biggest problems with goal setting is if, you know, we're, cho- we're choosing to do this on our own is that we are being very, very hard on ourselves where we're not taking that time to step back and say, look at how much progress I've already made. Mm, perspective. It's like when you were a yeah. kid, you know, you got taller over the course of your life, but you never really noticed it until you look back at photos or whatever. Yeah. And this is like one of the biggest fallacies that we make because we, it's so easy to become discouraged because we don't see success or progress on a day in day out basis. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you get some perspective. I always say that like if you're busy playing football on the pitch, as in soccer, you know, the Mm -hmm. real football. Yeah. uh, Football, and it's very difficult. But if you're a coach, you can see what's going on. You can look, you keep on getting blocked here, or, you know, you can get some, Mm -hmm. gain some perspective. So the second thing is get a coach. Uh, Well, the second thing would be, Find something that keeps you accountable. Yeah, uh, Coaches are absolutely excellent at that, as you know. But if you have a way to police yourself or if you've got a partner who you guys can are like sparring partners. Mm. Uh, but it is it's not like the nagging motherly, you know, you said yeah. you were going to do this and yeah. you didn't do it. It's it's really just kind of like a buddy system or having yeah. like a co-pilot or, or somebody who is there to challenge you when you were lazy that one day or why didn't you do it? What's going on? Do we need to take a step back here and perhaps readjust? Mm-hmm. What have we learned now? It is a very much an engaged and insightful ongoing process. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the other thing is the more you learn, maybe that goal that you mm-hmm. set isn't realistic or what you want to do anymore. And that's fine. Yeah. But there, so, but don't throw it out, you know, out the window. Yeah. I don't know what it is like in, in North America because I haven't been there in, in a while. I'll be going back next year in 2020. Um, what's the stigma around life coach? The word life coach because here in europe it's mm. still quite early and like mm-hmm. when people hear the word life coach it's kind of like oh, like basically someone who can be asked to study psychology yeah. uh, someone who took a weekend course uh, a 25 year old millennial working from a coffee shop like these yep. are kind of the stereotypes that you, you know it's interesting because i'm a certified professional coach and i still to this day find it so hard to even you know when, when i sorry when i when i was coaching people one-to-one I'd find it really hard to say, I'm, I'm a life coach. I just really struggled. So yeah. I wonder what it's like in, in North America compared to Europe in your experience. Um, similar. Yeah. Similar for people who are very unfamiliar or who don't know somebody who's had a positive experience. Mm. I have found, so I've spent a lot of time in LA and in New York and there, you know, things are very progressive. A lot of, it's pretty in vogue right now to have a coach and people are open about it and talk okay. about it and you're fine. Yeah. Um, you brought up the issue of quality control, though, and yeah. that is a huge one because yeah. this is, it's basically a totally self-proclaimed industry, yeah. right? I mean, right. 
person over there can wake up tomorrow yeah. and be like, I'm a life coach because I feel like it. And right. There's no regulations. Of body. I mean, there's the ICF and that kind of stuff, but really it's, it's hard to regulate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like there are some co- people who have gone through this program and they're, they're garbage coaches mm. and others have never done it, but they're amazing. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, this, this training provides obviously a very good foundational toolkit or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think there's more to it than that. Mm. Uh, and it's very difficult for the consumer to know, you know, is this right. a person of quality or not? Yeah. Um, I have, address this issue or am attempting to address this issue by defining, you know, our own set of parameters for right. what we believe makes a good coach. And uh, there's a reason I named my show Walk the Talk. It's because I genuinely believe in this notion that if you're going to seek advice or um, confide in somebody else, them being a coach is, is nothing. But if they themselves walk the talk in mm. whatever it is they preach, then that is probably somebody who you would want to mm. listen to. So any of the coaches that I have personally vetted and, and offer services mm. for, um, these are individuals who have bootstrapped their way up to the top mm. in whatever it is they were doing. They have proven track records of success in their fields. Mm. Uh, they have received you know, the publica- publications, the, the accolades, all mm. that stuff to back up. Yeah, this is somebody who is is legit Mm -hmm. some of them have formal coaching education some of them don't Mm -hmm. but i mean if you're gonna look if you're gonna seek leadership advice or business advice or entrepreneurial advice you probably want to talk to somebody who's actually started a company or two had tremendous success rather than i read some books on it yeah that's interesting that's what i did so i have a coach and and my coach has built a a, you know a million pound business and and i went to him because it it was basically look i'm looking for someone who's got experience and actually scaling and building an idea in a company Mm -hmm. and what i'm looking for right now is more that kind of experience and expertise and then, and then, because there's always this question between coaching and mentoring, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, where do you draw the line between coaching and mentoring? And, and for someone who's kind of listening, going, okay, and, you know, there's different kind of platforms doing something similar. What's the difference between, like, you know, the Tony Robbins kind of model where you hire and you get a coach and you do it online? That's like a hundred life design uh, model. Uh, I've never personally experienced, yeah. like, the Tony Robbins thing. Um, what we're trying to do here is we don't – two big differences. One, we're offering very much one-on-one mm-hmm. based coaching um so like some of his seminars and some of his other stuff is kind of like you know more appropriate mm-hmm. for group settings um this is really a, a custom tailored one-on-one experience mm. the other thing is i you know as i'd said in my verbose description of the company we are a connection platform yeah. i don't have a particular curriculum or agenda or a 12-step program or something got it i simply have created a transparent marketplace to mm. connect you with a variety of different coaches on whatever it is you want. They all have their own unique experience, background, expertise, mm. and personalities. It's like a dating website for coaching. It's kind of like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's amazing. It's yeah. like the Tinder of coaching. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so people, uh, coaches listen to this who want to get involved. Like, how can they apply? Is there a process that they can send their application or do you invitation only? What's the process? Um, yeah, just go on to 100lifedesign.com, click become a coach and submit an application. Okay. And... Um, we, we do get a fair number of applications and our uh, acceptance we, rate is pretty low. Standards are high, man, because yeah. I want people who walk the talk. But yeah. if it's something good, then you'll probably get a call from me and we'll have a chat. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and, for, and for people who are looking to get a coach and they can go on the platform and they can basically look at, you know, what are they looking for specifically? If they're looking for relationship or for leadership, for entrepreneurship, that kind of stuff. Yeah, not to make it, uh, not to like dehumanize the experience, but yeah. it's a lot like 
going on Airbnb, you just yeah. pick your price range, your topics, yeah. language, and it filters out who. Yeah, you know you what, get. man? We talked about this in the you know offline. I think on the first podcast when you interviewed me, and I said to you like I had that idea. Like I, I for years I've been thinking, mm-hmm. why is there not a marketplace to connect coaches and clients? Because I kept on interacting with coaches who are all struggling on their own. Right, they're all struggling to find clients to yep. get clients. And then I would also talk to people like, how do you even find a coach? Like, where does it even start? And I kept on saying, there needs to be a marketplace where you can go on and have a rating even. Like, you know, just have all these things like rating and price range and experience, all this yep. stuff. And I remember when you reached out to me and I looked into your, your, your company, I thought, this is it. Like, someone's done it. And I remember, I, you know, I wanted to, and this is one of the things I, I kind of want to close up towards the, the end of the interview is, I would acknowledge you for starting this because I think it's so needed. I think it's so needed that people can have access to coaching depending on their price budget, right? I'm guessing you've got some people who are more expensive than others on the yep. platform. There you go. So according to your budget, your needs, and anywhere in the world, if you've got an internet connection and you've got a bank account, <laughs> then you know you can get started. It's a credit card, actually. And a credit card. <laughs> but that's really cool, though. And I, th- I think that's really cool. Thank you. Um, so what's one thing that most people don't know about you? Ooh, I, I would say probably the car salesman role. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked about it a little bit on, yeah. uh, on my show a couple times, um, but it's just this absolute yeah. obsession with auto mechanics and car restoration. And yeah. uh, one of the other businesses I did was a, started a friend of mine in Germany when I was living there, and we were buying classic cars in the States and shipping them to Germany no <laughs> and restoring them in our garage and then and then just putting them on, like, the, the Craigslist of Germany. No way, Grease Monkey. Is that what you call it when you get into the mechanics? And yeah, the- <laughs> yeah. No, we, we were auto restorers. Auto okay? restorers. Are, this is an enthusiast <laughs> pursuit. Uh, but, yeah, that's... That's like that's, that's really cool. Biggest biggest consumption of my free time is that. Yeah. What keeps you up at night? Hmm. Um customer service. Mm-hmm. Like I people who write in a complaint or they had a crappy experience and they didn't know how to use it or I'm not saying that my, my platform is certainly not like the the most user-friendly thing in the world. There's a lot of... Still room. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's still... A, How long has it been going on for? I didn't even ask you when you launched it. Uh, it's been about two years. Okay. And um, like business is good. Things are great. No complaints on that end. It's just, you know, you're constantly learning. Sure. And as you build more and more men- momentum, you get more clients and more just... You, you build something and you're like, this is great. And yeah. then you have to keep adjusting as 100%. you go. And so I guess what keeps me up at night is like just this kind of maybe a little bit of like a perfectionistic tendency like oh well i should have this feature i should have this feature and then i'm like well why i mean yeah. one person couldn't figure it out do i need yeah. to invest a th- couple thousand dollars and reprogram a yeah. bunch of stuff because one person like so it's maybe just like you gotta you gotta weigh out what what really matters versus what's a nice to have and put it on your we call it yeah. in with, with riley uh riley mcgee my ops of the ops guy we call it like the uh the the i think it's called like the think tank or something like that we have a vault and because i always have all these crazy ideas and riley owns me and he goes that's a good one for the vault mark let's put yeah. it in the vault and so we put it in the vault that's so i know it's there it's safe but we don't have to do it right away i think that's a good idea because i mean otherwise what are you you're, you're making decisions based yeah. on like one person's experience yeah. and at least get some more data so yeah. uh yeah but that's an internal struggle cool i get that what's what's one of your dreams like what's one of the big things for you that you'd love to achieve in 2020 um has nothing to do with business but yeah. i, I want to get a pilot's license <laughs> i want to learn to fly <laughs> this is it's because this is the final stage of my flight phobia that i'm trying to get over i've been ah. i've been like conditioning myself to get more comfortable okay. you know flying and all this kind of stuff yeah. and uh, i've you know 
reduced it down to the fact that I just don't like, you know, giving up control and being in the back of this like tube flying through the air. Okay. I think if I could be at the controls, then it'd be totally different. Okay. Uh, which is probably true. I don't really like riding in the, in the car when someone else is driving who I don't yeah. trust, you know? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> in, in, in Phoenix where I live, um, I'm about 10 minutes away from an airport that offers training and I think this is, there you go. It's going to be the year. Yeah. Well, awesome, dude. What does being unconventional mean to you? I think it just means going your own way and doing, doing whatever is inside of you, despite whatever external forces are, are telling you otherwise. Mm. If, if your gut tells you it's the right thing to do or it's what you're meant to do, then do it. Mm. Um, I have started listening to my gut more and more, and it's often more correct than my, <laughs> my heart or yeah. brain or whatever <laughs> else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love it. Yep. Um, if, you, if you've listened to a few episodes, then you'll know this is coming, right? But it's like in London, do you remember Piccadilly Circus? It's kind of the Times Square of, mm-hmm. of London, I guess. There's these huge digital boards. Yeah. And what if I could give you that board and you could write a message that everyone would wake up and walk and see and read, but it has to be a shortish message. Mm-hmm. What would you want that message to be? I don't... It, it, something... I don't have something humorous, yeah. and this is probably something a little cliche, but it would be something like, you know, start dreaming, start doing. Like, just mm. I feel like that's a place where I've been there and I've stood there, mm. and you see everybody, and they're all wearing their suits, and they all kind of look the same, and they don't look super happy, and they're just kind of like going through the motions, the grind, and it's hustle and bustle, and it's yeah. just, it's it. I recently reread uh, 1984, George Orwell, mm. and um, I was just thinking, like, man, sometimes. I see people who are just kind of going like through the grind and it feels a little bit like that. Mm. And just, it would be like kind of like a big brother propaganda poster, but a positive one. <laughs> yeah. It would be something like that. I like yeah. it. Dan, appreciate it, brother. Where can people connect with you online? Where's, where's the best place to kind of get in touch if they want to follow the conversation? Yeah. Um, uh, so 100lifedesign.com has access there. You can directly connect with all of our social media stuff. You can check out our podcast. Yeah. We've got contact forms. Um, I would love to hear from any of your listeners. Yeah, love yeah. it. Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show, brother. Pleasure. Thank you. There you have it, folks. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. And, and Dan came all the way from the States, not just for this podcast, but it was great to get him in the studio and also talk about, you know, how you can start with an idea and how it develops into a business if it's a legit problem that you see and sense and want to be passionate to solve. Um, I also love the idea that we can democratize and, and get rid of the taboo around coaches and how they can actually help get, you know, wherever you want to be in life, whether that's a small goal or a big goal. And look, be kind to yourself. That's another big message I took away from today. You know, be kind to yourself with the progress because if you're on your own, you can't see just how much you grow. It takes a bit of a perspective to see that. So a coach is a great way to do that. Look, I appreciate you. Uh, If you're going to come up with some goals for 2020, make sure that they resonate with who you want to become, not just the person you think you are. Love you. And I'll see you next time for another episode of The Unconventionalist. See you then. Hey, gang, I wanted to remind you that if you want to launch a podcast, and you don't want to spend years and a ton of money trying to figure out how and make mistakes along the way, then head over to theunconventionalist.com, click on online courses, and make sure to enter the code PODCASTTRIBE to get 20% off my brand new online video program that's called How to Launch a Successful Podcast from Scratch. I poured everything I know into that, my love, my heart, my knowledge, and my know-how for you. You can literally take that course from the comfort of your own home and launch a world-class podcast within days. So stop waiting, stop wasting time, head over to theunconventionalist.com and get your ticket to my online video program now. I'll see you in there. Today's episode is brought to you by Vivo Life. 
Now, we all know the critical importance of protein to sustain a healthy diet. And I'd love to sit here and tell you that we should all get that from whole foods. But the truth is, you know, like me, you might be living a busy lifestyle and I'm often running from meeting to meeting. And I was looking for the perfect protein powder that could help me sustain my energy throughout the day and also recover after my workouts. Problem is, most proteins out there are filled with sweeteners, artificial flavoring and ingredients. And, and because they're made from mostly dairy products, tend to not really agree with my digestive system. So that's why in 2014, I started exploring and experimenting with plant-based proteins. But the truth is back then, the taste, the texture, the smell was just a little nasty. And so I just put up with it because I was looking for a plant-based protein that was good for your health, backed by science, and didn't do too much harm to the planet. But in 2017, something changed. I actually came across VivoLife. VivoLife make 100% natural health supplement and products that deliver straight to your door by a carbon neutral delivery. Now, let me tell you, I was blown away. Not only did the protein taste great, it also looked amazing, it mixed well, but beyond that, it was by far the healthiest protein on the market that I could find. The reason being is that in every serving, you get 25 grams of plant-based protein, and it's not just any protein, it's fermented protein, which is amazing for digestions. On top of that, you get six grams of Brandt's chain amino acid in each serving, and you also get some turmeric extract, which is phenomenal for anti-inflammatory proprieties, which helps me speed up my recovery. Now, what I usually do after a workout is I'll use uh, some Madagascan vanilla or the salted maca caramel. Those are my two favorite flavors. I'll throw in a banana, maybe some dark leafy greens, uh, some almond milk, some water, maybe some flax seeds, shake it all up and it tastes amazing. So if you're looking for a healthy, natural plant-based protein that's gonna get your results, tastes amazing and does good for the planet, then head over to vivolife.co.uk and use the discount code MARK when you check out to get 10% off your first order. And remember, every purchase you make using the discount code helps support the Unconventionalist podcast. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for keeping the lights on in the studio. Hey gang, in a few days, we're going to be celebrating the end of the 2010s, and we're gonna say hello to the 2020s. Isn't that crazy? What an era the 2010s were, but how exciting is 2020 looking like? unbelievable. So I wanted to take this opportunity to wish you a very, very happy new year. I hope that you will make 2020s the best decade of your life. And I wanted to maybe invite you to take an opportunity to write down what is the one thing you want to achieve in 2020 and who do you need to become in order to achieve that. I'll see you next year. I'll see you in the 2020s. Isn't that crazy? But more than that, I'll see you soon. Thanks for sticking around and have yourself an amazing new year.